Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 77. Hello, hello. Mm. Welcome to live pre-med Q&A. Also pre-health and pre-PA Q&A. We are excited that you're here. Um, If you have questions uh, or comments, uh, the best place to put them in is through YouTube. So go to mapped.tv, M-A-P-P-D.tv, and ask your questions, and we will answer as many as as we can. Uh, let's do some introductions. Dr. James Scott Wright, how are you today? Doing well, doing well. Just uh, excited to be here as always. It's This is one of my favorite times of the week uh, doing this broadcast, so excited to be here. Great, great. And Verinia Granham, I believe your new title is Queen of the Pre-Med Universe. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> I hope everyone's uh, doing well. This is also my favorite time of the week, so I enjoy hanging out with the MAP team, and more importantly, our wonderful pre-med and pre-PA students uh, out there. Absolutely. Indeed, me too. And I'm Rachel Grubbs. Uh, I will be your host in part today, along with Fernie and Scott. Dr. Ryan Gray is unavailable, but he'll be back as usual next week. And he's also available for his Friday Instagram lives. One quick announcement I want to make off the top before we dig into questions is if you who are listening know people who are in high school and are pre-med, Tonight, Scott and Verinia are doing a session just for uh, people who are very early in the pre-med journey. So we still have spaces for that. Uh, It is free, but registration is required. You can go to map.com high school. Now that banner on the screen isn't clickable, but I'll also post it in the comments so you guys can click right through to sign up and share that link with any friends or family connected to high school pre-meds. Absolutely. Excited to get that yeah. going too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me Fine. too. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, here's a fun one to start with. Jacob. Hey, Brittany, Jacob. you want to read these for me today? Sure. Jacob says, I was accepted to my dream med school. Woohoo. Congrats. Congrats. I've watched y'all's videos for a while and I'm so grateful for all you do. Thank you so much, Jacob. What should I do until I matriculate? I have a job, but should I quit early and enjoy life? Oh, well, great, this is a great question. Great question. Yeah. Great question. That is a great question. Well, first well, of all, I, congratulations again. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, that's awesome. Awesome, Jacob. We're so excited for you. And I have an opinion on this, a very strong opinion on this question. Go for it. This will be... You know, well, number one, I would say if you have a job and you have to work for the money, then obviously, you know, that's a that's a thing. But if you have the ability to, as you say, quit early and enjoy life, I say go for it. 
this is going to be one of the only times in the next probably eight, nine years, depending on what residency you go into and stuff, where you're actually going to have time to sort of do whatever you want to do. So I would say enjoy life, travel, Mm -hmm. be with family, friends, spouse, whoever is important to you and do things that you've always wanted to do and, uh, and go for it. I, I think this is the time to really relish in your success mm-hmm. and to uh, just uh, enjoy, enjoy that and uh, have a good time and, uh, and get ready. You know, years ago, I remember a student who actually, and this is a totally true story, not only did this particular me- uh, med school new new uh, acceptee in the summer before he started medical school. Not only did he start reading the textbooks for medical school, but he started depriving himself of sleep. Oh no! So that he could be prepared for what he mm. would face in medical school. So let me just say, this is a absolutely horrible idea. Do not do that. Enjoy yourself. And uh, have fun and uh, relish in the success that you that you have made. So that's my opinion. <laughs> that's I hey, well said. Um, I would maybe just add, Jacob. I don't know if your school is in state or if you're going to have to move. Obviously, now is the time to start preparing for that. Um, start looking at you know housing if you need to. Start looking at the area itself. Um, you know kind of getting familiar with it if it is out of state or in a, in a different part of your state. Um, this is the time to do that. And as Dr. Wright was just saying, if you can afford to do that and, and you know, not have to have a job or something, um, then, then go for it. Enjoy life. Um, but, you know, you can still enjoy life if you have to keep your job. Now you don't right. have to worry so much about, you know, the stress of applying. So yep. either way, it's it's good for you. It's good. Yeah. So awesome, Jacob. Yep. Super exciting. Yep. Congratulations. Very good problem to have. Right. Exactly. Okay. So Sean would like to know, will high MCAT compensate for a low GPA to a certain extent? Hmm. Very common question. Very common question. Yeah. I mean, this... This question uh, is really indicative of not understanding the difference between the MCAT and the GPA and what those two say to an admissions committee. Uh, The GPA is a gutted out day after day in the classroom, grinding through the academic work. That's what that GPA represents. The MCAT, however, does not represent that at all. The represent the the MCAT represents a one eight hour time slot that you have committed to doing the the test, and it, it indicates to some degree your uh, aptitude in the in uh, problem solving in the sciences, etc. Uh, but so so my answer to this question is is basically and in general no that the MCAT will not compensate for a GPA. It does help the medical school admissions committees sort of understand a little bit more about your academic preparation and your ability to do well in a high-stakes testing environment. Uh, but it really doesn't say anything about your ability to uh, to grind out 
day day by day in the classroom. So th there are two really distinct uh, meanings for those two things to, to admissions committees. Yep. Well said. Yep. All right. Hello, Andrea. Andreas. Uh, I'm applying this upcoming cycle and I'm taking the MCAT in May. Should I take the Casper right after the MCAT or maybe just get it out of the way right now? I can take this one if you guys want. Yeah. Um, my understanding of the Casper um, is that you have to take it in the same year that you apply. Um, so it's not, um, there's not a huge, huge window. They'll open it up in the spring for people to take in early summer and late summer. So, um, you know, obviously go to the Casper or Altus Assessments website to get the latest detail, but odds are you're going to end up taking the, the Casper sometime around June. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's my understanding too. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's see what's next. Mundell writes, due to the limited availability of clinical experience during COVID, I volunteered as a crisis text line counselor. As things begin to open up, should I make an effort to get involved in person? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely, Mendel. Now that things are opening up, I actually just got an email this morning um, regarding uh, shadowing opportunities uh sort of in-person shadowing opportunities reopening, reopening now. And, and so more and more places are more willing now, especially with, you know, vaccinations available to have in-person uh, experiences. So whether it's shadowing, whether it's clinical, um, so absolutely try to get an opportunity to do something clinical in person. Um, you know, try, being a crisis text line counselor is, of course, valuable experience, but you really haven't really from what it sounds like, you haven't really experienced anything in person and um, helping, you know, in that sort of clinical setting. So I would definitely try to find an opportunity that way. Yep. Absolutely. Agree. 100%. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. So this one's coming from a Facebook user. My initial seed that got me interested in medicine was with, was with veterinary medicine as a kid. Would that be inappropriate to talk about in my personal statement? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think no, uh, it would not be inappropriate. I mean, you have to tell your story. And if that's mm -hmm. your story, you really have to go there. Now, there's a way to do that, that that tells the admissions committee that, you know, you got interested in veterinary medicine for these reasons. And this is kind of how that played out. And then you've got to talk about the transition from veterinary medicine to human medicine in a way, you know, how did that part of the process occur for you and uh, indicate that. But I, I, you know, you have to tell your story and, and this is not necessarily an uncommon story. Um, you know, kids uh, like animals and you get involved in, in, uh, in a veterinary clinic as a, you know, helper or as uh, somebody, you know, a medical assistant type person in the, in the veterinary clinic and as a volunteer and, and, but, but sooner or later you sort of realize that what you're really interested in is in human medicine. And so, but you tell that story and, and I don't think it's inappropriate at all. No, absolutely. I think it's great. I think, you know, like Dr. Wright was just saying, it shows that there was an interest initially there in, in helping uh, whether an animal or, you know, a person, but definitely you want to focus on what, what sort of 
made you decide, okay, maybe I want to work with humans instead of animals. So, or that particular species of animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, she's feeling persnickety. All right. <laughs> okay. AD would like to know what would you recommend for a soon graduating student athlete who hasn't yet found enough shadowing experience? It's time to get more experience. Yep. Um, yep. So now that you're graduating, AD, um, hopefully you'll have more time available um, to go out there, find some opportunities, not just for shadowing, but but also maybe some clinical uh, experience. Um, not sure, you know, what your plans are now that you're graduating or if you have a job already, but maybe uh, looking into getting a job that would allow you to get some clinical experience or maybe volunteer, um, anything to kind of um, get more hours done, get more experience, get more exposure. Yeah, and I feel like, um, you know, that that this may be, there's two ways that this could go, A.D., it, it, without knowing a little bit more about your particular story um, and the particular timeline that you're on, it could be that this might lead you to consider a gap year uh, where you would be able to, you know, for example, get a, uh, a, a position as a medical assistant or as a, as a scribe. Uh, or CNA or, you know, something else that's going to get you a lot of good experiences. Uh, you might want to consider that as an option um, and uh, so that you do, you know, really have the opportunity to get uh, a lot more experience. Uh, I understand completely where you're coming from. Uh, student athletes, your time is really tight and it's very difficult to work into that. And so this uh, this is why, you know, bring up the possibility of per perhaps a gap year. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and you may want to consider that it's certainly something that you would want to discuss with your uh, with your campus pre-med advisor and uh, find out kind of their thoughts. And, uh, but uh, I, I would certainly suggest that you consider that as a, as an option. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Jennifer uh, would like to know, I am currently a CNA and I was wondering if that would count for clinical hours. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. 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 That is great clinical experience and Absolutely. you know this it's what we would recommend to the um ad that you know that's an opportunity to also look into um, that requires certification um but it's definitely definitely clinical experience jennifer yep og chop i started my pre-med <laughs> journey <laughs> i started my pre-med journey late in college and i graduated in about two semesters first of all there's never it's never too late for this journey. Right. Uh, and I graduated in about two semesters. My GPA needs some repair due to a tough business curriculum. Should I graduate and complete a postbac or squeeze it out? Hmm. What do you think, Dr. Wright? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and what I would say to that is it's a little bit difficult to know without more details here. Mm -hmm. um, when you say my GPA needs some repair, I, you know, I don't exactly know what that means. Is your GPA a 2.5 or is it a 3.2 or is, you know, where, where is that? It would depend, it would depend somewhat, uh, uh, you know, the details uh, are going to dictate a little bit about what the, uh, what the response would be, I think, from us. Um, I think a post-bac program uh, would certainly be helpful if your GPA 
needs repair. Um, and, and, but it, so what I would say, if you're a business student, this is certainly a situation where you want to seek out assistance from your, the pre-med advisor of your institution. Uh, really, they'll be able to look really a lot more specifically at, at your story, the academic progress of things and how that's gone. Uh, if you don't have a pre-med advisor on your campus or if there's, you know, some reason why you're not able to access your pre-med advisor or if you just want, uh, you know, another uh, opinion uh, about that, then, you know, certainly we at, at MAPT are here to, uh, um, you know, to, to do that and we can, we can, you know, have a, have a, uh, uh, a session with you, a, a Zoom session with you to really talk about the specifics. It's really helpful if you're a MAPT member where we can kind of see the, the, uh, GPA trends and stuff and kind of where that's all coming from. Uh, but even if you're not, uh, we can, you know, delve a little bit deeper into this, but generally based on what you've said in this, in this, uh, question, I would say probably a postback seems, uh, mm -hmm. seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, yeah. And the free, free GPA calculator, you know, is a, is a great thing to access there. Yeah. And that's available on, on map.com and, and that can, give you a sense of, you know, where your, G where your GPA is now, wh you know, what you need to do to get it to the point where you, you know, you're happy with it. One thing that I point, I want to point out is VA, his or OG, his or her comments about squeezing it out. That to me is, makes me a little bit nervous because it sounds like you're trying to force what's left of you to complete, you know, uh, pre-med requirements. You're trying to force that, uh, towards the end of your program, which is never a really good idea. Right? You don't want to get to the point where you're just barely getting by just to squeeze it out. I would rather see a student take some time to reflect on this process, look into a post-bac program so you're not just trying to squeeze everything in into this set timeline um, because that very rarely, very rarely works out. Yeah, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Really good point. Yeah. So there you go. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Best yeah. wishes. Okay. Okay, Justin would like to know, is it acceptable to get clinical and volunteering at the same time? I volunteer at a free clinic and it is my main source of both volunteer and clinical hours. Yeah, so, you know, he's it looks like Justin is working at the same place, um getting both volunteer experience and clinical hours that way. It is acceptable. I you know, it's it would be ideal obviously to maybe get some additional experience volunteering in other locations. Um, but if this is what you got, it's definitely acceptable. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And, and I would point out that in the, in the AMCAS and other application mm -hmm. services, you're going to have to choose one of those categories mm -hmm. for the activity. You can't double dip. Uh, so, you know, you're going to have to indicate um, I was, uh, a uh, volunteer or this is a clinical experience or whatever. Uh, the other thing I'd point out about this is there's a difference between medically related volunteering and community service volunteering type mm -hmm. type activities. Medical schools sure. are really going to want to see both. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so what, what I would say is consider that Justin, when you're, when you're thinking about this, but I would say, 
you know, it sounds like you're getting great experiences and, and uh, you know, kudos to you for that. But I would consider, you know, looking at other opportunities that you have in addition to that, even if it's just a here or, here or there kind of experience, um, then uh, and, and that could, you know, help to um, bolster your, uh, your, your uh, application and stuff like that. That's a good point. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Sonia. Sonia would like to know, uh, Sonia, I'm preparing to retake the MCAT for the fourth time in March with the goal to score 515 and above and get into an MD school. Past scores are 496 and a 505 twice. Should I be aiming for an even higher score than this, given the number of retakes? This sounds like a Rachel question to me. Thanks, <laughs> hey, Sonia. So, Sonia, I've been helping students with MCAT prep for about 20 years now. And uh, first of all, congratulations for your persistence, right? Taking yeah. it a fourth time is, is a frustrating thing, and you're in it. You're still trying. That's great. Um, the other thing is your last year's score is 505. Not bad, right? So, like, we know there's hope because you've done – solid. Now, in terms of what your goal is, I wouldn't say you have to have a higher goal because of your prior scores. Um, we talked about this a week or two ago. Um, there was some informal study of how med schools look at uh, MCAT scores. And while a few said averages, most say highest or most recent. Um, so I just, I wouldn't sweat it. You can't do anything about the past ones. Now, the flip side, this is what you didn't ask, but I'm going to give to you anyway, is rather than thinking about I have to hit a certain number, you may just want to think about what am I doing differently? And obviously, goals are good. Goals are motivating. So have, have whatever goal works for you. But this is your fourth attempt. Something pretty dramatic has to change if you want to really change that score. And, you know, maybe maybe you've been doing it, you know, because, again, it was a, this is a little outside of the context of your question, but I want you to really, really reflect on, you know, how much time you were giving it, the way you were studying, you know, were you being as active in your studying as you could be? Were you giving yourself a, a schedule and keeping to it? I mean, there's a lot of different things to query. Um, and Blueprint does a lot of sessions on this. So rather than me talking about for an hour, I would definitely recommend checking out some of Blueprint MCAT's free sessions. Um, but you need to really examine how you ensure that the fourth time is the last time. Yep. And good luck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Good luck, Sonia. All right. We've got another. Is it clinical? <laughs> Andrew asks, would working at a vaccination site be considered clinical? And I think as with so many things in this process, Andrew, it depends. It depends on what you're doing at the clinical, at the vaccination site. So, so because it's a vaccination site doesn't necessarily mean that what you're doing is clinical. You could be helping with, you know, registering patients as they're coming in, um, things like that. So it really all depends on what you're doing there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Because I know when when I went and got vaccinated, it was a drive-through site, mm -hmm. and there were people with little flags that were mm -hmm. directing the, the cars where to Traffic. go, and right. that would not be considered clinical. So, um, it, it, I very much agree with uh, yeah. with my colleague. Uh, it depends a little bit on what you're doing. Yeah. Now, if you're actually trained to uh, administer the vaccine, then then of course, yes, then that's considered. Yeah. 
Are you interacting with a patient in a way directly related to their health? That's the question to ask about. Is it clinical or not? There you go. That's perfect. We need to write that down. I was just going to say that. Well, we've said it quite a lot, but we'll keep it, saying that, you, it. You put it great. <laughs> put it that was there. the perfect way to put it. I love that. Uh, I'm sure I stole that from Ryan. I mean, <laughs> uh, I know my stuff too, but if it's a really good nugget, I probably borrowed it from him. Um, okay. Question from Jack. A director of admissions from a medical school said that a red flag is when one's GPA and MCAT don't match. For example, he gave 3.8 and 513. I know committees are different, but should we be concerned? Hmm. So I'm a little confer- concerned about this, this comment. Um, what do they mean by the GPA and the MCAT don't match? Like, you know, wh- where would they match? You know, unless it's like 4.0 and a 528? I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, I, I think that what the, what the director of admissions here may, may have been getting at is if you are a, you know, let me give this example. If you have a 520 MCAT score, let's say, and your GPA is a 3.1, then what that could indicate to a, to an admissions committee is that you have the great, a great deal of aptitude and you're an intelligent person, but you can't do school very well. And so what you have to consider is that medical school is school. And so I think that the, the big, the big issue here is, um, you know, being, as I said in a previous question, being able to grind it out in a daily kind of way. We, we have all known, I don't care who you are out there that, that you're listening or watching. Uh, we have all known people in school, whether it was high school or college or whatever, that were really smart people, but they were awful students. They were terrible at going to school and doing school well. And that's going to be problematic uh, in medical school. You have to show uh, in, in some way or another that you can do school well. And uh, and so that may have been the kind of thing that this that this admissions director was was getting at is when there's a significant mismatch between the the MCAT and the GPA. And I think it's a more it's more of an issue where you have a high MCAT and a lower GPA than it is the reverse, where you have a lower MCAT and a high GPA. I would much rather find a student with a you know. Uh, an okay but solid G, uh, MCAT score, but that can really is got the work ethic and has got the the go get it attitude and the ability to really do school well. That to me is a is a much better student uh, than a student who can knock the top out of the MCAT, but not so much in terms of school. Yeah. And it goes towards what you were saying earlier, that a high MCAT score doesn't necessarily, you know, dismiss the lower GPA. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Oops. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) 
Question from Lydia. I did well, mostly A's in bio classes, but struggled through chemistry. Retook OCHEM multiple times. I revamped my study methods and I'm doing a post back now. How many units would be enough to demonstrate good academics? Hmm. Good question. Yeah, that is, and this is a pretty common question. Mm -hmm. uh, Lydia, I mean, my feeling is that I would want to see, in terms of science classes, uh, you know, uh, upper level, if you're doing undergraduate stuff, uh, post-bac work, um, I, I'd really want to see probably 35, at least 35 to 40 hours of, of science work uh, mm -hmm. to really say, because what you're wanting to do here is give the admissions committee a lot of confidence and that, that you've turned it, that you've turned it around, that the revamping of your study methods have really are really showing um, a good deal of success and 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 the more the more credit hours that you have uh, to show that the more um, the more um, I, I'm blocking on the word I'm looking for the more confidence uh, that the schools are going to have in in that turnaround right so I'd say 35 40 or so Sustained yeah. academic rigor. Yep. There you go. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Kai Cal would like to know. Uh, he's. I. Hi. I'm currently shadowing a surgeon during his clinic days, and along with the shadowing, he allows me to room patients and set up use the ultrasound. Would I separate these into two categories on my app? So Kai, you're shadowing and along with that the you know the doctor allows you to set up the room set up or use the ultrasound um mm. but it's under the shadowing uh umbrella mm. it's a little bit of a tricky question what yeah it is right yeah that's a good question um hmm you know i think uh I'd say I'd probably separate it into two cat two two activities. Yeah. Um, and say you know while it's under the same you know surgeon or it's in the same clinic or whatever, it's two distinct things that I'm doing. I shadow him sometimes, and then I do this other activity sometimes. And you know, as we always say with uh, with the activities part, you you are able to say whatever you're going to say. You can categorize them any way mm -hmm. you want to categorize them. You can separate them out and stuff. You just it, it just has to be logical. It has to make sense mm -hmm. to somebody reading it, and and they might disagree with you, but I I think that. That makes sense to me, separating it uh, in the way that you've indicated. I agree. I think so. Okay. Kaylee, hello. Hello. I was planning on taking the MCAT spring semester of 2023 so that I can apply the following May. The only problem is I will not have taken my biochem prerequisite. Should I take a gap year? Hmm. Me, Rachel, what do you think? Well, number one, Kaylee, I love that you are planning ahead. So yep. good job. Biochem is increasingly important on the MCAT. Um, it now can show up in actually three of the four sections. And people are always like, what? What do you mean? Psych, soch. But there can be neuroscience in the psych, soch. So you're definitely going to see it in bio, biochem. 
you're going to see it in chemical and physical foundations of biological processes, biological systems, and you might see it in psychosocial. So do you have to delay a whole year because of that one course? No, not necessarily. What you have to do is allow extra time in your MCAT prep because while other people will be reviewing that content, you're going to be learning it for the first time. Um, The other thing I would say is since it's a year out, is there any chance that you can change your map and actually have taken biochem by then, or at least be taking it concurrent with your prep? Um, You know, a lot of schools make you do Orgo 1, Orgo 2, then biochem, but increasingly some schools are saying you can do Orgo 1 and then biochem. Now, you still need Orgo 2 before you attend med school, but Orgo 2 is not huge on the MCAT. So maybe switching the order of those two would be a better bet for you in terms of getting the content you need in advance of the MCAT. Um, But yeah, I mean, a lot of people have taken the MCAT with biochem, especially people five or six years ago when the MCAT first put its increased pressure on biochem. A lot of people just hadn't taken it. So they've proved it can be done, but it's, it's a lot. It's a big chunk of the test. Yeah. Good, good advice. All right. Sophia. Oh, this is a good one. Any advice on how to keep going when a difficult personal life event, parents is unwell, is happening? Nothing I can do to fix, but it's difficult to focus. Mm. First of all, Sophia, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. And, and we yeah. wish you the best. We wish your parent the best. Um, yeah. It's in, yeah. it's insanely challenging. Yeah. Um, and of course, very difficult to focus. Um, I, you know, obviously you can't put off um, what you're doing, you can't put off your current job or your application. You have to kind of find a way to balance. Um, or actually, I shouldn't say that. You know, I don't know if you're at that point where you've considered maybe taking a break and, and maybe taking some time away from this whole process. But I found I find that during particularly challenging times, I personally, I like to just do a mental dump and just write about it. Um, it's a good way to kind of get all my thoughts out, get my thoughts out on paper. Um, Sometimes if I see it on paper, it kind of scales the anxiety down a little bit. Um, So I, you know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't want it to come across as trivial, but I do highly recommend it. Just spending some time, five minutes out of your day to just get it out there, let it out. Cause otherwise it just stays in your mind, right? It stays in your Mm -hmm. brain and, Mm -hmm. and it just makes things that much more stressful. Um, But yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I would add to that that um, Sophia, the medical schools and the medical school admissions process will be there, mm-hmm. always be there. Your parent will not. Yeah. So this may well be a time to back up, to take put, to push pause, and say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with with this situation. I'm gonna care for my Mm-hmm. parent i'm going to be there for them and i will pick this back up in when they're well or in a year or whatever because you know the last thing you want to do is regret not spending time with your parent mm-hmm. uh, particularly in a difficult situation so i would say um my advice to you is to you know in terms of a sort of uh, personal priority um, process of identifying what's important to you. Um, 
you know, sometimes you have to make those tough choices. And, and I would say this may be a time where you want to, where you want, or you may need to just kind of back up a little bit and, uh, and care for the parent and care for yourself in that process and then pick the med school thing back up at a later time. Yep. Yeah. No easy answers there, Sophia. Good luck. So yeah. yeah good good luck. luck, Sophia. Shihan, question from Shihan. How competitive is it getting into an MD-PhD program? I'm looking at a 3.5 science GPA and 3.57 cumulative. I'm also looking at 1,500 plus hours of research. Is an MD-PhD too much of a reach? Yeah, you know, the, the answer to this question is is complicated because it really depends, in my view, well, but there's two, there's several levels here, I think, with regard to an MD-PhD program. Number one, uh, it depends on what type of MD, MD-PhD program you're looking at. Um, there are NIH-funded programs, the medical scientist training programs, and then there are just uh, independent or local uh, MD-PhD programs at, at medical schools. Uh, NIH-funded programs are sometimes more difficult to, uh, to enter into. Um, because they're more competitive, because they're funded, uh, et cetera. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I would say the chief thing that MD PhD programs in general, what they're, what they're really looking at. Yes, they're going to want to see strong GPA. Yes, they're going to want to see a, a strong MCAT score. Uh, they're going to want to see a lot of research, but the key thing they're looking at is what have you done in research? And what do you know about what you've done? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, are, there are many students who involve themselves in research, even at extensive levels, such as you've suggested here. But when asked to explain the research that they participated in, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really don't get the, the, the main picture. And, and, and I've had a lot of contact with uh, with. Uh, uh, MD PhD programs and, and what they look for and what they're what they're um, w- really what uh, what it takes and uh, and and that's the key uh, the the key is the level of research that you've been involved in and what you know about it and and can you really explain what you've what you've been involved with and the implications of it and and the, et cetera it's not about the me- it's not about the mechanics. It's about the, the the theory and the questions and the and, and the answers that it generated. Uh, you can be you can work in a research lab for a long time and be really good mechanically at doing stuff in that lab and and not really have a good concept of what's going on. Mm. So that's what they're looking for. Well said. Yeah. All right. Well, actually, this works out well. We've got a couple other questions about research that are pretty tied in. So oh, we'll good. Do this. Yeah, good. So AJAM or AJAM730, how should we list publications versus research? Do publications take priority over research? Should we categorize the experience under publications if the research led to an article? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So um, it's a question of, you know, how to describe this on the application. Um I don't know necessarily, you know, do publications take priority over research? Um, I think, you know, if it's something that obviously you've, you've um, 
co-authored. It's it's definitely good. You mm -hmm. want to put on there. Um, I don't know necessarily if they take priority though over mm -hmm. having participated in the research. What do you think, right. Dr. Wright? Yeah, I mean, I, to me, the two go hand in hand. Right. Um, I think that you know, it's uh, publications aren't always. Um, research oriented, but mm -hmm. I would say the vast majority of the time they are. And, uh, and so what I would say is, you know, in the activity list, you can put, um, this is the research I was, was doing. This is the lab, whatever. And you can indicate the publication within the context of that research, uh, description, or you can do a, if you have multiple publications, you can have a a whole different cat, a whole different description, a whole different uh, entry just mm -hmm. for publications. It sort of depends on kind of how much you got and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, what they, what they were, what, what you were doing with them and stuff like that. So it, it could be either way. It just, it, it really depends on what makes sense in terms of your specific, you know, uh, uh, situation. Right. Yep. Yep. I would say, I don't think publications necessarily take priority over research, mm -hmm. For the simple reason that lots of people who do research don't get published. Um, you know, you could be an integral part of the uh, lab team for five years. And if it's a seven year project, they're just not ready to publish. Right. Um, so I wouldn't think about it in those terms. But I understand if you've, if you've experienced both, you would want to highlight the two different things. Yeah, I agree. Okay, one more research oriented and then we'll get into other topics again. Sure. Any advice on how to answer the why medicine in the personal statement if you don't necessarily plan to become a clinician? Now, I said this was research-oriented. I'm reading between the lines. This yeah, person does yeah, not say yeah. what they plan to be, mm -hmm. yeah. but I'm assuming... <laughs> <laughs> if they're not a clinician, right. Um, I mean, Dr. Wright, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think, I think it... Um, you know what you're what the i think it makes it more important for you mm -hmm. to to answer the why medicine because that's going to be you know really key uh to you explaining if if you're interested in research and that's what you want your career to be all about uh then the question is going to be if you indicate that you're really not interested in clinical medicine that you're interested in you know, theoretical medicine, or you're interested in research, um, even if it's uh, basic basic research, the question is going to be in that case, why not just do a PhD and, and, and go into research via the PhD? Why medicine? And this is a key question for MD-PhD students uh, in particular, but not not exclusively. And so in terms of advice on how to answer that, I think you have to, you have to talk about the seed. Uh, you have to talk about where does this interest in, uh, in science and in, in, in medicine come from. And uh, if that doesn't make sense to you and it doesn't make sense to a reader that doesn't know you, then I think that may require you to back up and, and really examine what are my goals here related to, uh, going into medical school because, you know, what medical schools, not exclusively, but what medical schools for the most part are there to do is train clinicians. And, uh, and, uh, and that's why MD PhD programs, for example, are small. 
you know, at, at schools, uh, MD, PhD programs, there may be, there may only be, you know, 10, 12, you know, students, uh, maybe 15 or 20 at the, at a max at a, at a large medical schools, MD, PhD program. And that would be out of, you know, 200 to 250 students uh, in, in the program. So you're talking about a very small percentage uh, of MD, PhD students in, in, in those schools. And even in that, even in that way, many of those MD, PhD students are interested in clinical medicine. So you've really got to go down the road of, of, of helping the admissions committee, helping the reader of your, of your um, personal statement understand what are your goals and where does this all come from for you and where are the pieces fitting together that make medical school make sense as opposed to going into a Ph.D. program in whatever field, biochemistry or chemistry or um, anatomy or physiology or whatever. Yeah. Biomedical engineering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, something I've definitely heard Brian talk about before. We often have to remind people like medical school is school. So you do have to prove your ability to handle that rigor. But the flip side is some people are drawn to medical school because they love school mm-hmm. and they don't want you to get the MD just to get it. Right. right. I mean, Scott right. kind of touched on that. They are mostly trying to train clinicians. But yeah. so if that's not part of your goal, I think you have to really reflect on what your own answer is. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. And he, uh, can I point out, Rachel, he, yeah. uh, a Vaccarini, I think that's for, has a, has a, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, so this is important. <laughs> this is an important uh, point, And I'm glad you point you, you included that here. Um, that you're looking at diagnostic radiology or pathology as a specialty. Those would be considered clinical. So, you know, even though you're in a room looking at films or, or MRI results, or you're in a, in a lab looking in a microscope, you're dealing with patients individually and their particular situations individually. And, uh, and so I would say you need to change your uh, nomenclature a little bit. These would be clinical, and but you also have to recognize that what medical school does is train everybody pretty much the same. It does vary a little bit when you get to the fourth year in terms of electives and stuff that students can take. But first year, second year, third year, a good portion of the fourth year is the same for everybody. And they're training clinicians, and then you're going to want to go into – you know, a particular specialty, but you may come in thinking you want to do pathology and you may go out being a pediatrician or being something totally different. So I think in terms of identifying in your personal statement, what you want to, what you want to uh, focus on, you really do have to let the admissions committee, the reader understand where is this all coming from for you and why medicine as opposed to a PhD in pathology. Great. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm glad that came up. Mm-hmm. It's a good um, question. It's so important to answer the prompts. Yeah. yeah <laughs> a lot of people are yeah. like, I'm not going to answer why medicine. I'm going to tell them something else. You yeah, know? Right. Well, not what they ask. Right. So I credit that this person is at least thinking about that. That's yeah. good. <laughs> okay. Back to some shadowing. Question from Ryan. Hi, I've shadowed at a very large hospital, but the physicians were super busy, so I mostly followed the third and fourth year medical students around and spent some time with the residents. Does that count? 
Yes. So it's shadowing experience. Um, I would definitely point out that you were following, you know, third and fourth year students. Um, You know, you don't want to necessarily gloss over that. (laughs) I think it would be best to be honest about it. Um, But but you did spend time with residents. And in the third and fourth year, they are, you know, obviously more more uh, clinically involved. Um, So that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Yeah. The only thing I would add, Ryan, is get some additional shadowing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't have to be in a very large hospital. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can go shadow at a private practice where you're more likely to actually get some time with the physician. Exactly. Yeah. Or a free clinic or you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Keep keep looking. But yeah. You want a bouquet of shadowing experience. That's fine. Oh, I love that. A bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Shivam. At what point does a slight downward trend matter? I had a 4.0 for the first five semesters of school, and I have had a 3.5 the past three semesters. Do I have to worry about this? So start it off. You're just not a very good student, are you there, (laughs) Shivam? Good grief, slacker. Oh, yeah. totally kidding. It was a joke. That was a total joke. No, you, you do not need to worry no. about this. <laughs> I, yeah. And I get it. Right. So, so many of us were raised to think that, you know, A is okay and B is bad. Um, so you got a mix of A's and B's for a few semesters. But when we when we're talking about downward trend and upward trend, we're talking about people who are usually well below the 3.0 line. Who are that's, looking what gonna, to that's what I was going to say that he's worried. You know, we talk a lot about um, upward trends, um, but uh, he or she is concerned about that, but you're fine. Yeah, 4.0 to a 3.0 is, you know, that's a, that's a dip. You're okay. All right. I only got a little bit of time left. So let's see what we got here. Hello. What is your opinion on early decision programs and based on what would you, or would you not? And based on that, would you, or would you not recommend it to early decision programs? Yeah, you know, the thing about early decision programs is that you you typically or almost exclusively have to apply only to that school. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really committed to that school and you can't apply anywhere else. You apply to that one school and then if you don't get into that one school, then you can broadly apply, which may mean that your application is delayed in getting to the other schools. Uh post that. And so, you know, I think early decision programs are great if you absolutely know that you want to go to that school and you have really specific, really, you know, good reasons for wanting to go into that particular medical school. And you've got a connection to the area or to that school, et cetera. And, and you've, you've done a, a lot of, um, mentoring with the people in that early decision program so that they, you know, that you're so connected to the school that they know who you are before you even apply. These are the kind of people that get into early decision programs. If you're just, you know, oh, I want to go here, you know, I because I don't want to move and I don't really know any, you know, you know I, I think you really have to be very, it's a very specific thing. So, um, 
So my opinion about those is there's a reason why not very many people apply to early decision programs, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the vast majority of applicants. Um, so I would say you, you got to think about that pretty, pretty, uh, pretty hard. Yeah. Comment here from Nicholas. Hi all. I just got accepted to medical school yesterday. We don't have the we don't have the little buttons and stuff that Ryan has. The clapping, that, yeah, that all the applause, yeah, and all that. So, we'll do our own. Yay. We'll do our best. Congratulations, Nicholas. Uh, thank you for your help with these videos. I'm planning on taking different courses next semester than what is on my AMCAS application. Is this fine? Yes. It is fine, but you got to let the medical school know mm-hmm. that you've made some changes. Update. Uh, mm-hmm. And update them because, you know, there are some medical schools that are going to hold you to exactly what you said mm-hmm. in your application. So if you've got a difference, you know, if you instead of taking micro, you're going to take, you know, something else or whatever, you know, you need to, uh, you need to make sure. And, and if I were you, I would, I would get the permission of the medical school rather than just mm-hmm. telling them this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You would go with the concept of saying, this is what I would like to do. Is this acceptable with you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I probably wouldn't say now, now that I've been accepted, I don't want to take these classes anymore. Right. <laughs> you're going to want to maybe phrase it in a way that, you know, right. you know, due to whatever other academic mm-hmm. reasons or my schedule is different now, right. um, I'm making these changes to my schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And congratulations. congratulations. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Nice to hear it. Yeah. That's wonderful to hear. All right. So, let's see. One more for people applying this cycle, the current one. Sure. Hey, Devin, question from Devin. Oh, TMDSAS wants great updates in December. Do some schools wait for this update before inviting for interviews? Dr. Ray, what's your experience? Um, I would say typically no. Um, What they, you know, I, I would say that they are using the grade updates in December to understand if you're continuing with uh, the courses that you indicate as well as in your application, as well as making sure that you're continuing to be strong in the, in the classroom. Um, but uh, in terms of uh, waiting for updates before inviting for interviews, I would say, no, that is not, not what they're doing. Hmm. Okay. All right. Let's take one last one. One last one. Yeah, question from Justin. Is there a certain amount of hours that you should aim for when it comes to clinical hours? Seeing students on SDN Reddit with thousands is intimidating when you only have a few hundred. You slacker, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Man, you know, SDN the, and Reddit. Oh, your first God. mistake. Okay, <laughs> here, here, here's my soapbox. Mm-hmm. statement, Justin, is your first mistake is getting on and, yeah. and reading Student Doctor Network and Reddit. Yep. Yeah. You don't know if they're being honest. You don't know what their these mm-hmm. thousands of hours are. And you don't know how many students have those thousands of hours. You know, I, I just I don't think 
I, I put very, very little credibility in those things. Yeah. And uh, I think you need to be satisfied, you know, hundreds of hours. I don't know how many hundreds you've got, but, you know, I, as long as you are getting experiences and the key here is reflecting on them, mm-hmm. what do they mean to you? What do you see going on? And, you know, that kind of stuff. That's, that's really what the admissions committees are looking at. They're looking yep. at the value of those experiences, not at how many you've got. And, and, and please, exactly. if you're going to read student doctor network forums, if you're going to look at Reddit, you've got to do it within the context of understanding that you don't know anything about those people Mm -hmm. they could be i mean they could be lunatics who've applied 14 times and not gotten in as far as you know you you don't know Mm -hmm. and so that's you have to it's grain of salt thing there yeah well and some of them do have thousands of hours but that's because they might have been rns for 10 years before changing careers right. right um and that is fabulous clinical experience right but that that's not the path you have to take and it's Um, atypical yeah. Um, beware the anecdote. Yeah. Right. Um, it's always fine to talk to people and learn about their personal experience for mentoring and understanding their story. But one person's story is tempting as it is. You don't want to just copy paste. Right. You have to do what's right for you and hope and, and do enough research to know if it's in the trends of what's OK. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, all right. So we're coming to the end here, friends. Um, as always, uh, this, this is getting more popular, which we love, but so we don't always have time to get to every single one. We'll be back next week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, I believe on Friday, Ryan is also doing his Instagram live. That's at 11 a.m. Eastern. So another chance for live Q&A. And then one last reminder, if you or someone you know is connected to a pre-med student who is in high school and they're at least thinking about becoming a physician, spend some more time with Scott and Bernia tonight. They're going to talk specifically about that journey. Um, Open to everybody, right? So the high school students, their parents, their families, their mentors and advisors, anyone connected to high school students who might be thinking pre-med, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, friends. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye everybody. Power went by quick. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.